What up, my friends? How you Hello. doing? Hey, this is uh, this is the Invictus Knox and Dash podcast that we colloquially call All the Way Down. We did this uh, once upon a time. It may have been a couple of days that we missed. Yeah, hey. we, we we let a couple of weeks slip by uh, with through just like scheduling problems, but also just forgetting a couple of times. I keep forgetting. Forgetting, uh, you know, and then, I, then I, life gets weird or bad. <laughs> yeah, um, like just today, actually, I you know I totally forgot until you messaged me because I was getting ready to practice some drums. Actually, um, uh, so that's a that's an interesting thing. Um, so sorry, we're not gonna start off with video games right off the bat, but uh, two things uh, we were talking about weird metal uh, in one case, but I'd, I'd like to start off what you just said. Your streams where you do your electronic drumming, um, like to different metal tracks on that program you use, very fascinating to watch. Like I mean, like I I I've never been a drummer. I've never like tried too hard to become a drummer. But like when I hear good metal drumming, I'm just like I, I I'm like fascinated. I stare at it with my ears, if that makes sense. So like oh, seeing what yeah, you do yeah. is cool. Like bro- broken down. Oh, thanks. I think that, uh, yeah, I think that's a lot of what draws me to metal is the drums. And it took me a long time to realize that, you know, like, um, I, I think a, a huge thing for me when I was younger was that I discovered Dream Theater and I started listening to a bunch of Dream Theater, right? And they're a band where it's like the guitar is really, really good and the keys are really, really good and the drums are really, really good and the bass is really, really good, you know? And uh, after listening to them for like a few years and really honing in on, you know, listening to the songs over and over again and honing in on one instrument at a time, at some point I realized, like, I think the drums are my favorite, you know? And uh, yeah, that was kind of what got me into drumming. Um, but what, what you mentioned about, uh, about, so like drumming to the program, right? Um, what you're talking about is called Clone Hero. If you guys have never heard of it, uh, so there's Guitar Hero, there's Rock Band, you know? And then on PC now, because music games, it, uh, as far as a as far as like a, a mass appeal thing goes, music games are dead, right? For the most part. You think but, so? Uh, yeah. Really? No. Well, part of it was killed by Rock Band Four sucking. Like they tried <laughs> to bring it back, you know, and everyone was really excited about it, but Rock Band Four was an unfinished garbage pile, and so. Uh, you know, like the game is fine, but it's only fine, and it was supposed to revitalize the genre. <laughs> anyway, on PC though, there is like a there is a hardcore fan base of those games though that still exists, and they are making custom tracks, right? So you can do two things, or you can do a few different things. Um, originally the custom tracks thing was something that you did for Rock Band Three. Because of, well, you don't need to know the history. Basically, people are able to use programs like Reaper, which is a digital audio workstation where you can, like, mix and produce music. You can also use it to edit MIDI files. And it turns out that the rock band and Guitar Hero, like, tracks that you see of the of the lanes of notes and stuff, those are all generated off of a, a MIDI file that someone makes. And so and there's like a program that compiles a MIDI file into a file that the game can recognize and play. And because of Rock Band Network a long time ago, people got their hands on this compiler. And now people are still very dedicated to taking all their favorite songs and making custom tracks, uh, uh, custom Rock Band tracks out of them that you can play in Rock Band 3. 
Or if you don't want to hack your system and have a modded game and all that, there is a PC game called Clone Hero that is just a Guitar Hero clone. But they've also put the rock band style drums into it with the four lanes and the and the lines for kicks and stuff. And that is super, super, super convenient because like the way it works is so simple. You don't even need to compile it anymore. The game just reads that MIDI file that I mentioned. Huh. So the MIDI, because if MIDI... Is, is there any, ever any issues where like it's just out of sync or anything? Oh, yeah. the per- like You need to get them from a trusted source because people mm. make some shitty charts. Yeah. Where like, you're like, oh, someone made, someone made Hell Patrol by Judas Priest. Awesome. And then you play it, and it's like 30 milliseconds out of sync, you know? And like <laughs> they got all the drum fills wrong and stuff, you know? And that, <laughs> like, that kind of stuff sucks. They played uh, it, or, or they, they programmed it on a 720p Vizio TV from 2003 or something, so it's got all that uh, input lag. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you do have to worry about stuff like that. Um, I mean, I could go deep into talking about how to make these things, mm-hmm. but basically, it's that like a MIDI file. If you don't know what MIDI is, I'm gonna try to be real brief here. But MIDI is a file that it's basically a bunch of numbers where you've got a oh, it's numbers over time. So you've got zero from 127 are are 128 different notes, you could call them, you know? And a MIDI file just stores where you put notes over time. Uh, And, you know, they have a length, they have a velocity, they have, like, a track that they're on versus other tracks, you know? And the game is just designed where, like, you you can name the different MIDI tracks. Like, you can have a multi-track MIDI, where all the different tracks have different names. And if one of them is named part underscore drums, right? And then the game reads that MIDI file and it knows here's where the drum notes are going to be. And uh, and then it's something like these five lanes are the five different color notes for uh, expert mode. And then the five under that are for hard mode and the five under that are for medium you know and so on uh there's spots where you mark like where you want to put your star power there's you know there's there's different notes for where the fills are and so since it's since it's like a language that's been defined by harmonics at some point you know the creators of rock band um we all know which ones to use which notes to use and then the game is able to just read that MIDI file and play the supplied sound file along with it. And hopefully the person who packaged this for you has them in sync. Uh, and then, boom, you've got, you know, you've got a, a thing that you can play. So, yeah. Um, Rock it's... Band is actually how I learned to drum. Uh, really? So it's, oh, okay. Yeah, because, like... You know, Rock Band 2 originally, I think, is when I really got into it. Because, you know, I didn't... Everyone... A, a lot of people look at drumming and they say, like, oh, I, I don't have that kind of coordination. I don't have that kind of limb independence and that kind of thing. And it's like, well, neither did I at first, you know. But Rock Band... Rock Band basically provide The way I like to say it is it basically provides you with color-coded sheet music, hmm. you know? Yeah. That's, like, really easy to follow. And Rock Band 2 had a training mode where it's like, hey, hit the kick pedal on quarter notes. Just a one, two, three, 
for. Just hit the kick pedal like that for a minute, you know, and you learn to do that. And it's like, okay, you know, and then it's like, all right, now you're going to put a hi-hat on eighth notes over it. Just here's the yellows, you know, ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. And then at some point you go like really, real basic, beat by beat, you know, um, here's how to do the do da pa da do da pa da you know? Oh, wow, all of a sudden you're drumming, you know? And then uh, I, I remember the big one for me is the do pa do do pa you know? I saw it's like the orange, red, orange, orange, red. And, uh, you know, in the color coding, and I didn't know what I was going to play, you know? I was like, oh, this looks weird, and I played it, and then was like, oh, my gosh, that's that drum beat I've heard a million times. That's how you play it, I guess. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, that's, that's where I started. And, um, at some point, you know, at some point I started just learning songs on my own and took lessons at some point too. Uh, but yeah, but nowadays, now it's like, yeah, I took lessons for a little bit. Did you feel like it was Um, necessary after like all the, all the rock band stuff? Yes, because if you are going to learn drums from Rock Band, there are some very, very important things that the game does not teach you. For example, dynamics. Dynamics being how hard are you hitting each note. Uh, A huge part of like a really good sounding drummer is their accents on certain notes, right? Where um, you might there's like someone might play a snare pattern. It's like you know. But if you if you write that out in Rock Band, it's just a string of reds that are equally spaced apart, and you could just hit it. You know, and you're hitting the same amount of reds, and so the game is happy. But no, 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 you want the guy that goes. You know what I mean? You want to hear the difference in pressure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that and so I mentioned velocity earlier when I was talking about MIDI, and that's exactly what that refers to is yeah. how how hard you're striking. So yeah, like accent notes like that aren't really done very well and well, they're not done at all in rock band. And and uh, I was just also, about to say because that's like one of the hardest things to like do and and replicate when you're programming drums for a band. Like mm-hmm. say you don't have a drummer. If you're programming drums, you want to make it so your drums sound organic. You don't want them to sound like you know, a robot is just hitting a MIDI sound the way it wouldn't sound right. Slight tangent there that I have that I hate the sound of a lot of programmed drums, (laughs) uh, specifically in unmetal stuff. Like, oh, yeah, man. Whenever I hear like a rap song that has a programmed beat in it and they just fucking hammer the hi-hat on like 30 second notes with the same velocity, it sounds like shit. And I'm just like, like you just got to accent every fourth one and it's going to sound a hundred times better. (laughs) You know, like, oh my gosh. Have you ever Uh, heard of death grips? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, well, yes, I've heard of them, but I've not heard them. You're not gonna I, like them. <laughs> really? I, that's funny. I've I've heard uh, very good things about them. So uh, oh. maybe maybe you should do like a a live reaction on your next stream or something. <laughs> <laughs> you need to hear. You need to hear. Uh, just look up. It goes. It goes. It goes. Guillotine. That's all you need to. That's all you need to know. Okay. Look that. Up. I want you to hear that mixing. <laughs> but yeah, you know what's interesting about that too is so I when I record a drum performance, I record the MIDI. 
Um, and it's really mm-hmm. interesting to look at the numbers and to see the little things uh, that like happens when you record a real drummer. For example, my left foot isn't as strong as my right foot or my yeah. left leg, right? Also, I play on one of those double kick pedals where your left pedal drives like a drive shaft that goes over to a beater that's on the same drum or the same trigger as the right one is on instead of having two different kick triggers. Yeah. Uh, and so because of that, ev- my the left kicks are a little weaker than the right kicks. Does that and add so, more tension additionally? Um, I, I don't necessarily like it, but, uh, but, you know, or at least I don't like how big of a difference that there is, but I do think it makes it sound a lot more natural and human. To have like, two separate... Um, oh, I'm sorry. What are you asking? So you, I'm, I'm asking about the differentiation in, in, in double kick pedals versus like where you have the long, one long drive shaft. Because I know exactly what you're talking about. Where you have two yeah. separate pedals or versus one long drive shaft with two pedals connected. Um, I, my, my mechanical engineering brain is asking, is there quote unquote horsepower loss in the, in the transitions of 90 degree bends between the, between the drive shaft versus having a two pedal system? I I think that there is. And that's why I brought it up. I think that having to, does that exacerbate it? Like the, the difference in your left and right. Yeah. Like I, I don't know exactly how much weaker my left foot is because I think that some of it is also the fact that it's going through the drive shaft while the right foot isn't, you know, I was just about Um, to apologize for like getting such a minute detail like that I'm interested in. And then I realized, I think that's what our podcast is about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, but anyway, the reason I bring that up is because, yeah, like, so, so that kind of stuff, like, really stands out when you hear programmed drums when it sounds like a robot because everything is perfectly grid aligned and there's no, like, natural dynamics based on how the human body works, you know. Uh, but yeah, anyway, um, shit, where were we? So, so yeah, I, I, I nowadays, the you thing listen is, to MIDI when you, when you, like, hear the monitor in your ears, right? When you play. Um, y- yeah, like the, the trigger sounds are all technically MIDI, you know, yeah. sam- well, there's samples being triggered by MIDI. And you're not just listening to the organic, quiet, acoustic rubber tappings in the room. Right. I did do that once on one of my recordings because I, I was recording video also, and I didn't want to be wearing big headphones. Mm. So I just played the actual recording of my song was played with me just hearing the pitter patters of like the <laughs> mesh pads and stuff. To some degree, I feel like on some patterns, it kind of almost helps me keep time a little bit better because really? I'm not distracted by all the all the sounds. And instead, I'm just, you know, because I, I, I know the muscle memory. I know the pattern by heart. So I don't need to hear the different samples as More long focused. as I can hear that I'm playing it on time. You know, maybe that's a little bit better. I don't know, though. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so the whole point here, though, is that Rock Band doesn't have any good metal on it. So if you want to <laughs> play metal, you have to turn to customs, yeah. especially because even when there was metal on Rock Band, they didn't chart double kick because they were like, well, the, the, ki- the kit that we send out only has one kick pedal on it. And even though we're going to sell people extra pedals and a double kick adapter so they can add double kick to their kit we're still not gonna chart double kick so (laughs) yeah so if you're into metal or if you're into double kick bass you must play customs basically um 
And yeah, that's what uh, so Clone Hero has been really great for that. Uh, and so it's been that's a good what way the, to... that's what Clone Hero is. Okay, so yeah. I can't believe that I'm piecing this together just now, but I have been thinking that's just some cutesy little platformer this entire time. But oh. <laughs> you're telling me it's just Guitar Hero, but cloned for metal. Uh, well, cloned to work on PC with custom tracks that okay, are yeah. all user community driven, and it just so happens that at least in my circle of friends, everybody uses it for metal. Right. Um, what is it? SP love SP loves drums. I think is the guy that you told me. Is it SP? Oh no, Birdman EXE. Birdman EXE. Well, there's also another guy that does. Let's say it's like SP loves drums. I found yeah, them. Um, they were they're both really insanely good metal drummers. Yeah, yeah. Around Twitch, you can find some people who who play these these programs. Um, and uh, and yeah, holy shit, some of them are are, Dude, are insanely I, good. I heard something that uh, made me, as a non drummer, uh, understand my tastes in drumming a whole lot more, and I understood it. Once I got into jazz music a little bit, and not really just jazz, but like city pop, but only because city pop has a lot of jazz elements in it sometimes. But uh, I realized so, like, okay, one of my favorite drummers ever, sound wise, skill wise, speed wise, is Prescriptor McGovern of Absu. And then I, I remember one interview once where he was talking about his style of drumming. He was like, I'm kind of just. I, I, I write songs in a different way because I'm actually a jazz drummer who just took the tempo to the extreme. And then I was like, oh my God, that's why his fills are so mesmerizingly different. And just like they hold, they just, they pull my attention away from the really good rhythm to just listen to the drums. And knowing that he's also doing vocals at the same time in a headset mic is just bonkers to me. <laughs> but um, yeah, vocals it, with drums is crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, that's like one of the great secrets is that all of the best metal drummers are jazz drummers. Yeah, and I, <laughs> dude, the, uh, there's another band, Beyond Creation. Their drummer is the same. He just likes like jazz drumming, and I was like, mm-hmm. holy shit! And when I listened to a, a couple of different city pop artists, and I listened to the jazz drumming style in certain parts. I go, oh my god, like, when I don't want D-beat in my metal, this is what I want literally all the time. And when you make blast beats from a jazz drummer's perspective, it is the most interesting thing ever. Because I used to get, I used to actually get, like, shit on for my opinions on bands that had a lot of blast beats in them, like, with their songs. Because, in my personal opinion, blast beats get, the the novelty wears off quick. Like, mm-hmm. it's cool that you can go fast, and if you can go super fast, then sure, I'm interested. It's kind of like esports, actually. I'm not going to watch a person who's just playing a game unless they're the best person at the game, you know what I mean? So, like, I hear that drumming, if it's super fast, cool, whatever. But if it's just a blast beat, it's boring as hell to me. If I hear a jazz musician introduce these weird fills into the blast beats, uh, make it so it's like just got this weird thing with bells going on in the background like uh, while he's doing like double snare work with uh with with a hi-hat on one stick it's it's like it's it's bonkers to me so like 
anything <laughs> I mean motor skill function wise that is impressive on its own but like hearing it with a really good just bass rhythm is like uh, there, there's something you really just can't get like I, I can't explain it without you just listening to these kinds of bands like Absu Beyond Creation was another one um, uh, anyway I'm done jizzing about jazz <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I know what you mean because like blast beats are, uh, I, they're they're pretty hit or miss. They're monotonous yeah. a lot of the time, right? If you play them monotonously for two minutes at a time, like a lot of black metal does, you know, then yeah, the drums are doing basically nothing, you know. But there are some drummers that make them really interesting, be mm-hmm. it like with an interesting cymbal pattern that they're doing on it, or if just the rest of the the rest of the band is doing something where it kind of feels like that's the only thing that fits mm. uh but did yeah, you listen to um cryptopsy that that album i i told you about the uh oh. uh blast we made flash dude Don't put me on the spot here sorry i, I I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll jizz about that album for two seconds that album's drumming is b- i mean that and none so about cryptopsy as a canadian death it's always canadian death metal that has like the most amazing drumming too i don't know what it is but like damn it dude just the drums alone i i could just stare at it with my ears is 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 what i said earlier jesus christ anyway go ahead sorry but yeah uh, otherwise like uh a a good blast in a short beat or or in a short burst works for me as well if there's if a song needs that like explosion of emotion where it's just it you need this part of the song needs as much noise happening as possible for 10 seconds or something blast away you know it's good stuff um uh the one particular band came to mind when you said that exactly um and of course i cannot remember the name of the the fucking band but it's like apocalypse something it's probably not apocalypse something but oh sure but yeah, yeah I, a, a lot of the time, like uh, like Soul Remnants is a band that I can think of where where you know they'll have a part of a song that right it it blasts off for a crazy part right and then but then they uh, oftentimes do like a big then roll down the toms into just boom now we go into double kick right and that's where you know with, with those accented snares and I, I I really like that kind of thing because it's like. The the blast gives you the burst of emotion, and then it rolls down into now a part that when there's when there's double kick with the with the snares just on the threes now now it's like you're grooving, you know what I mean? Mm, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's it's a really cool way to augment uh, the feeling of of a piece of music, you know. Um, it was yeah. Flesh God Apocalypse. Flesh oh, God Apocalypse. Flesh, I, I've definitely heard that band. Yeah. I think uh, I think of that when you say uh, when you need an explosion of emotion because Jesus Christ does every song have that with them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's uh, some drumming talk. Uh, yeah, check out if you, if you don't know about it already, check out Clone Hero. Um, it's free and uh, there's a Discord for it. And if you know if you if you like rock band and guitar hero, including the drums, uh, the drums, which are, I think, technically still in beta, but you know, uh, they work great. Uh, yeah, go, uh, check that out there. There's more, there are more songs out there that you like that you ever knew could be in the game. Cause people have already made them. It's great. You want, you want to get to, to, to nerd video talk real quick? Okay. Nerd video talk. Yeah. I don't know why, but your webcam is coming in to me in interlaced video. 
Yeah, I, you know, it's because of the split cam thing. Is it? So, yeah, like, if, uh, I think, maybe? I don't know anymore. I don't think the podcast oh. can notice it because I have you scaled down so small, but, like, on my full screen image, you're just, like, a line monster every time you move. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the deal is with this, uh, with this, with this camcorder, but I think it, 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 I think it does interlaced video. And I didn't think it did when I bought it, so I'm a little grumpy about that. But that's how it is. Hey, oh, that makes sense because you say camcorder. That a lot of those record in 1080i natively, mm-hmm. so makes sense. Okay, I was just curious. Um, uh, so, so I have uh, one of the reasons I've kind of just been like meh about doing the podcast haphazardly here lately is because I haven't had a whole lot of experience with the whole new games. It's kind of been like. Just little like little nibbles out of a, of a few different games here and there. Um, mm-hmm. Have you had any new game experiences? Uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, I've kind of been going through a thing of uh, of like super challenging stuff lately. I mentioned, I think I talked a bit about Valheim uh, doing permadeath last mm-hmm. time that we that we spoke. So I finished that. I did it. Uh, as in all of the game's in early access right now, and there's five bosses. We don't know how many there will be total, I don't think. But point is, I beat all five bosses without dying solo. That's awesome. I, did, I actually didn't know that you beat it. I didn't know you had the end of that run. Congrats, dude. Yeah. So after that, I went back and I and I played through Hollow Knight. Uh, I was going to bring up and, Hollow Knight. Yeah, so I did that permadeath style, because that game's got a, a mode built into it to do it permadeath style Mm -hmm. uh so i did that and it was good uh but that that game um that game has like multiple ways that you can beat it you know as in like uh it's got the thing where like you can beat it or you can do the extra stuff and then get the true ending you know what i mean uh and so then i had to do it again to get the true ending um, and at one time, the last, last boss actually killed me, so I had to redo it <laughs> from the start, uh, but that was great, because, I mean, the thing is, Hollow Knight, man, the more I play that game, the more I'm convinced that I think it's actually literally legitimately just the best game ever made. <laughs> I Like, I really am not even joking at all. I think that, I think Hollow Knight might just be the best game ever. Is it, uh, isn't it really and- long? Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, the first, the, well, the first time it'll probably take you, you know, a decent chunk of hours. Uh, but now, like if I'm going to play from the start and get max percentage, like do absolutely everything, eh, you know, probably takes like 10 hours, um, you know, at that, at that point, you know, knowing, knowing everything, you know, knowing exactly where to go and kind of having a route in my head of how I want to do things most efficiently and stuff. I'd say get, you know, at th- when you're at that point, max percentage is like 10 hours, right? Uh, but that's for someone who knows everything that they're doing. Um, 10 so, hours is, it, that's, that's not, you know, that's not very long. Yeah, well, it's not, uh, right. You know, it's it's the same thing as saying that, like, you can beat Super Metroid in under two hours, you know, or or maybe two un- or maybe under four hours. Uh, and it's like, oh, what, Super Metroid? It's only four hours long? Well, not your first time, dickhead. Yeah, not your... That's like... <laughs> 
so yeah, it's it's the same thing as that, right? My my first playthrough of Hollow Knight when when I I didn't do all the extra stuff, I just like beat the game as early as possible. Took me about thirty five hours, and then my first time getting like max percentage, I think took me six somewhere between sixty and eighty hours. Yeah. So uh, anyway, though, so so I did that, right? Um, it ended up being a few playthroughs because I had to do everything a couple different times because I died a couple different times. Uh, died a couple different times. So, um, so, but that was good. Uh, yeah, it's great, dude. Oh my god, Hollow Knight is so it's it's so fucking good. But I I think I've already exhausted everything. It's, that there was it's to on say Switch, about it. right? Say what? It's on Switch, right? Yes, it is on Switch. I think I on... may want to pick up a physical copy of that at some point. Yeah, do it, dude. Um, I do think it's best played on keyboard, but hey, that's a that's a preference thing. Um, uh, so it's a platformer. I know that much, mm-hmm. and I have a fight stick. I know that much. So okay, that's probably how I'll try and play it because yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like kind of a joke a little bit, but like when we did that challenge, we're playing Barry the Bunny on Steam uh, to mm-hmm. get the speed run on that. Uh, I did that with a fight stick, and honestly, no regrets. It took five minutes to get over how awkward uh, and uh, precise a joystick on a, on a fight stick can be um with, with your movements. But like when I say it's precise, I mean that you have a lot of throw. But you also have a lot of precision. That's kind of how a fight stick uh, typically works, depending on the stick that you want to put into a fight stick. Anyway, don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, Platformers are weird as fuck on fight sticks until you get like 10 minutes in. And then it's like, okay, cool. This is badass. Yeah. So what I'll tell you about Hollow Knight for like the reason for like selecting a controller for it is that the game uh, you can do you can. If you're facing right, your sword slashes right. If you're facing left, your sword slashes left. But if you're holding up, including diagonals, you'll slash upward. And if you're holding down, you'll slash downward if you're in the air. Uh, And that is, like, super, super important to the game. It's one of the main mechanics of the game is the fact that you can, like jump and like if if an enemy is shooting at you you can jump and as he passes under you bloop you can smack him uh downward you know and so you need to very quickly be able to press uh up or down and know that you're pressing up or down precisely uh and hit the attack button you know and it i imagine like be good a flight that, stick though. is probably good for that yeah yeah okay exactly like, i was going to say a yeah, fishing I rod mean, controller, maybe not. Maybe. Yeah, y- you guys with your with your fight sticks, right. Yeah, I mean, you guys are doing your, I got to go down, left, quarter circle, forward, low punch, you know. And so I'm sure if you can do that, you can play Hollow Knight on it. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I don't think I know of any moves that go down, left, quarter circle, forward punch. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, shit, that, I guess that's what I've been doing wrong this whole time. Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, so, so for, f- to some degree, I've kind of been playing the same things that I talked about last time for the last couple of weeks, Hollow Knight, Nocturne, you know, I was talking about Nocturne. I still, I'm still playing that. Uh, but I did play a couple other things that I haven't talked about. I don't know how much you want to hear about it, but I played Castlevania Chronicles for the uh, PlayStation. So I don't know if I want to hear about it because 
technically I've already beaten the game that it's based off of, but yes. how much am I missing content-wise? Uh, you have not played Castlevania Chronicles, if you have played Castlevania for NES. Okay. It's booked as a remake. You look up Castlevania Chronicles for PS1, uh, and it's like, oh, it's a remake of the NES game. And like, yeah, I guess, but it, it's a it's a totally PS1. different game. Uh, the levels are way different. The bosses are different. There's more levels. Um, you know, it, and so it, it's it's awesome. I mean, I won't go super into details, I guess, but, it you know, it feels it feels very classic Castlevania where like you know you're just you're jumping you're whipping you're getting sub items you're do you get getting... the um the 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 snes all around direction whip no it's okay. more classic than that yeah nice uh however you can change directions midair after you jump mm. so so that's a little non classic right yeah. they changed that on you uh but yeah besides that feels super classic um but yeah all the levels are new the music's great. And, Are the bosses uh, like different kinds of fights? Totally. Like all of the bosses are awesome. Remember in NES Castlevania where all you have to do to fight the Medusa head is spam the watch and, and whipper and it's Yeah, dead. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Medusa fight in this one is like awesome. It's going to take you 10 tries, you know? Nice. Uh, it's, so it's, it, good stuff. it's just like return to form, but like HD. Yeah, uh, I... I mean, it's funny to say HD because it's it's the <laughs> right. same resolution, yeah. but, but it's HD but yeah. from like that perspective. Right. I mean, it's PlayStation instead of NES. Uh, this and, is oh like, oh, hang on, hang on. This is um, <clears throat> this is Metroid Prime <laughs> for 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 Metroid's sake. Maybe not that far of a jump, but. <laughs> I, yeah, well, so the original Metroid was remade on Game Boy Advance as Metroid Zero Mission. There you go, Zero and, Mission. You know, yeah, like I, it's I, I, I think it's comparable to that, except it's even more different, though. Maybe I don't know. It's been a while since I played Zero Mission. I don't think you're spoiling it's, anything for for me by telling me anything about Chronicles, right? I, I mean, I've lore wise, the, I, dude, lore wise, it's the monster mash. You know, I th yeah. I mean, I think I already said all you need to know, though, is that like, hey, if you thought you could skip this one because it's a remake, nah. Not only should you play it because it's way mm. different, but you should also play it because I think it's like one of the best Castlevanias I've played. So really far. good. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, How do I acquire it? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's it's not cheap. Uh, uh. So it's got that problem. And then, God, do you think the COVID the COVID price ain't gonna go down? Well, hang on. Have you heard the like the talk about retro game prices? I, I don't know if it. I don't know how much it affects like like uh, you and me prices. Uh, but you've probably heard about things online about how did you hear that? Uh, Super Mario Bros. Uh, uh, a sealed copy of Super Mario Bros. just sold for two million dollars. Well, yeah, and, that, like, that's because it was like a, a like a, th that was the it was a, a historic cartridge that was like meant for hey we're gonna give these to our agents to go to North America to the pre-sale in New York City to release on market there before it releases East Coast and then United States, you know, nationwide. That was what that copy was, I want to say. And it uh, was graded, I want to say. 
I heard a very different story. It oh. was graded, yes, but uh, I, uh, I, I don't want to speak uh, incorrectly here because I don't remember all oh, of Oh, I'm seeing from chat, is it Mario 64 or just original Super Mario Bros? There were both. Both oh. of them sold for more than a million dollars. One of them Christ. was two million. So here's the thing, though. The, uh, that company that does the grading is linked to the company that does the auctions. Uh, yes, like, and th- there's a there's a scandal that 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 our our mutual friend Popo and Duck li- let me in on about how like this whole grading thing with this at least this one particular organization that does grading uh yeah. they kind of artificially pump their shit up exactly there is there the 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 grading company is wada games or something mm. and then the auctions where they're actually selling this shit is uh is like heritage auctions or something and they're basically from from what these rep- from what uh, a report that I saw is saying, where they have like receipts of here are the people who own these companies, here are the receipts of these sales and who is buying them, and it's very clearly the people who own the who operate Heritage and who operate Wada Games are trying to generate a bunch of publicity about how valuable this stuff is and how people are buying these things for a million dollars to generate their own business. Just you know, your of... typical market manipulation. Exactly. Yeah. And so I don't know how much that affects when you go into your local game store and how much, you know, a copy of Tulip for PS2 is on the shelf, right? <laughs> I don't know how much it ma- how much it ha- hits that or if it's just for sealed stuff, but I imagine it probably affects everything. Uh, here's the thing, though. Bit. What happens if, and this is why I brought up our friend Popo, is because he was like, man, what if I just, okay, I'm sorry, Popo, if you're listening. I, I don't mean to misquote you, but from what I remember you saying, it was something like, what if I just fucking bought a box, you know, and like made it super legit, look sealed, and had like, I don't know, some plastic weights in where the cartridge slot would be in the cardboard and just send that to them. What What are they going to do? Open it? They're not going to do well, it. They're freaking going to plastic wrap it and then say, hey, this shit looks good. And then that shit's worth, bam, two grand. Well, that that's another issue with, with what's bullshit about grading in the first place is that it's really subjective and it's up to the human that grades it. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, some people, they'll buy... They'll buy an 8.5 uh, uh, graded thing, break the seal, and send it back in to get graded again and see if it comes back a 9. If it did, oh, shit, they just made a bunch of money. Jesus you know? Christ. They do that? That's, yeah, that's 100%. Like, and it's not just games either. Like This is like magic cards people do oh, this with. Oh, God. You know? Yeah, totally. So basically, I, it's such a weird thing because it's like I can say to you, grading's bullshit, and you're like, yeah, you know, and a bunch of people listening probably are just like, yeah, grading's bullshit. We all know it. So what's, th- but like, it's like it's not even for us. It's like this whole different area of of uh, I don't even know what to call it it's like me, a different hobby it's well it's not even a hobby though it's just like a market money making thing let me ask you kind of an open-ended question do mm-hmm. you think okay so when you go to and i assume you do this too when you go when you, okay when you're interested in a game or whatever 
you probably go to pricecharting.com. I use that website a lot. You yeah, check, that's, that's like the go-to, yep. Yeah, and you check the difference in value. You say, like, okay, this cartridge game is, I don't know, 40 bucks for just the cartridge, and, of course, it's a Nintendo game probably because because odds and then like the the you know the sealed or the the complete in box because of nintendo is like four times the cost because who the hell has the old cardboard but next step is what i'm interested in from sealed and or graded the price jump is to say exponential would be putting it lightly in a lot of in a lot of cases are there anything? Uh, are, are there any games that you think you might actually go for at a price like that if you have the funding to do so? Uh, no. I, or I is mean, it worth I, it in general? I can't imagine myself buying a sealed game unless it's like MSRP. You know what I mean? Like, uh, as in, mm. like, I'll buy a sealed game because it's it's new, right? I bought. I, you know, you talked about Hollow Knight. I bought a copy of Hollow Knight for Switch, you know, the other day. So that's sealed, right? But like, when it comes to when it comes to an older thing, that that's like more expensive for a sealed one. Nah, because the reason I'm buying it is because I'm gonna open it and play it. You know, um, there are a couple games though that I wonder. Like, so I have a couple games that I have sealed because I bought them when they came out. And now the sealed copy is worth a bunch. So I wonder, like, if I want to play that, I think I sh- like should I try to just sell the sealed copy and buy a used one? You know, uh, it's yeah. So I, I've never kept sealed copies before, but man, if I had a sealed copy, I'd be think I'd be thinking the same thing. I wouldn't. I'd be too attached to it. But at the same time, if it's sealed, I didn't get to play it, so <laughs> I don't know how attached I would be. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, sorry. Uh, let's. I want to talk about another another game that I've been playing lately. Um, we we were we were. Uh, I talked about Castlevania Chronicles a minute ago. This is a little bit of a jump in subject here, but Knox left the room for a moment. We're talking about Castlevania Bloodlines. I started Bloodlines also. It's for the Sega Genesis. It's man. Knox is gonna want to hear about this though because it's a Genesis game and he's all about Sega. Yeah, but Sega sucks. So I'm playing fucking Castlevania Bloodlines for the Genesis, and the controller is a big piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. So real talk, it's pretty good so far. Um, it's weird though, You're, dude. The main character of this game, it's hilarious. He looks like the main character of Brutal Legend. The way that he's just, like, all fucking shoulders and bulge. Like, he's this giant-chested, giant-shouldered man with this huge torso and then these tiny legs sticking out of the bottom, you know? And he he, he walks for it. So, like, it looks kind of goofy from the start. And the levels that you're in are kind of weird and goofy, uh, but you know it's got and like uh, some of the some of the stuff looks really silly because like I don't know if the Genesis is unable to rotate sprites, but instead they like they have it use a lot of different sprites as a segmented thing. Oh my gosh, it's hard to explain, but it's like okay, so instead of having like a creature that's got a tail where the tail is individual segments that rotate 
Instead, it's like the tail is a bunch of balls, and the balls just move without rotating in order to simulate a tail, right? So it's got a lot of that kind of stuff going on, but sometimes it just looks goofy as fuck. Like the one of the first bosses, maybe it's the first boss. Well, hang on, I, I, I don't want spoilers for Bloodlines. Well, okay. Look, at some point you're going to fight a big <laughs> dude in armor. Like, okay. oh, big surprise. But, like, the dude looks so goofy because he's, like, a bunch of different... They, like, tried to make it big and cool looking where it's a bunch of different pieces, you know? Like, his feet are a piece and his shins are different pieces. Oh, he's, he's like this- mini Exodia? Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> like, with Sega Genesis sprites. But, like, the way that he's animated, is it looks like you're fighting fucking Goofy from Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> like, you know, just the way that he's, like, flopping around and stuff. I don't know. It looks real Goofy. Okay, well, but... uh, I just want to know, or I just want to have you know that the Sega Genesis controller is more ergonomic <laughs> than what I was just holding in my hands a second ago. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry if uh, your hands can't cope to the to one of the best controllers ever made. You, what were you holding your cock a second ago, or what? What are yeah. you talking about? Uh, yeah, and that's the ultimate I, in ergonomics, if you think about it. So I got this. <laughs> it'll, I, I, I the Sega. Okay, so I, I I like to shit on Sega for fun, but the I, I actually was pretty pleasantly surprised by how well the D pad worked. I you know I'm playing I'm playing Castlevania. Uh, and the, the, the D pad works very well. The thing that I don't like though, same problem with Contra Hardcore is that having three buttons lined up is weird and dumb. Uh, Um, I, I'm kind of on that same boat with you, honestly, but, uh, counterpoint having six buttons lined up is the best well i well you don't use the top three for games that only need three buttons for platformers yeah most likely yeah yeah so so like here's a game where it's like you got a b and c left to right right and one of them is whip one of them is shoot and one of them is use your item which is interesting in this game you don't hold up and press whip to use your sub weapon it has a dedicated button but being that it's a Genesis controller, it feels kind of awkward to hit it. It's fine, though. It's not terrible. It works pretty well. Well, you're saying C um, is your sub-weapon? Uh, yeah, but you can change it if you want. Uh, yeah, they, okay. they, let, they actually let you rebind them however you want, so that's really cool, too. Kind of like Streets um, of Rage. Yeah, it's it's actually it's something that we you know you don't see often enough. Are uh, when retro games actually let you rebind the controller. Oh, my really God. Nice. Yeah, actually, that's a that's a underappreciated thing i will say because i have been playing streets of rage and that gave me the option and if that didn't give me the option like most games i might have been pulling my hair out trying to beat that game holy fuck because the 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 special button i know i've ranted about this before but the special button is so easy to hit and just blow your load prematurely and then wham you don't have enough actual you know kick ass to beat the boss you know Mm -hmm. it's a bummer yeah so shout outs to Castlevania Bloodlines for that, and Super Metroid for letting you rebind, and Doom 64. Those are the only ones I can think of. Super Metroid lets you rebind. That's good. Mm -hmm. Forward thinking Uh, for Super Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. So, so I I think that some things about Bloodlines are really goofy, and, like, some things about it are kind of stupid, but at the same time, a lot of it is pretty cool, and it's enjoyable so far. 
Uh, you know, I'd probably like it a lot more if I wasn't coming right off the heels of Chronicles, which was so good. You know? <laughs> um, but that's yeah, a, that's a good point. Hang on, why did you play Chronicles before you played Bloodlines? I don't know. I think maybe <laughs> the well. So Chronicles is a port of a game that was for the X68000, and I think that that game came out before Bloodlines did, you know? Uh, so, it's like a, yeah. so it's like a port to PlayStation of a game that came out earlier, so I played it first, you know? That is correct, I believe, but lore-wise, it's the same game, as far as I know. You'd know more than I would at this point, but... Lore wise, it's the same game. I would so okay. So this this is a weird, interesting uh, uh, cross where uh, a crossway where you go. Okay, hang on. The mechanics are newer than the lore in the series timeline. So which do I do? The further along, but 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 less technologically advanced game, or the later along, technology speaking, but you know, earlier on story-wise game. Um, yeah, so, I mean, generally, if I want to play, like, a whole series, I just play the games in release order, you know? I feel like that's uh, generally the way to go. Because, like, look at, like, Metal Gear Solid, for example. If anyone ever tells you to play Metal Gear Solid in chronological order, just kick him in the nuts, you know? Because <laughs> uh, that is a terrible idea. First, well, hang on, like, that game is so generationally different with consoles, right? Well, that that's the thing is that yeah, like like you want to play a PS, you know, Metal Gear Solid three for PS two, right, and then play like a PS five game or four game, and then go back to PS one, you know, like you're you're all over the place, uh. and then. And then also the problem with, well, the problem with something like Metal Gear Solid specifically is that Metal Gear Solid for PlayStation, even though it's in the middle of the timeline, it deals with very few concepts because it's the first game, you know? You're introduced to the idea of Big Boss and Nano Machines and shadow moses and stuff you're introduced to all these concepts as the first game and then metal gear solid 2 expands upon those concepts and then metal gear solid 3 even though it's a prequel it's still expanding on the knowledge from one and two that is required reading to understand the story you know what i mean does metal gear on the nes fit into this anywhere uh yeah i i like uh, I, I don't think that you would need to play the the MSX games first, but they, I mean, they are part of the story. Uh, the, the NES games. Uh, or, well, there's only one. Okay, but the, okay, it, I, I don't remember if it's called Metal Gear Solid, but I think it's just called Metal Gear, right? It's yeah. The... So there's Metal Gear on the MSX, which was ported to NES. Oh, okay. And then there's, a, and then there's also a Metal Gear Two Solid Snake for MSX, and that I don't think that was ported. Uh, probably not. I don't think it was. Mm-hmm. And then there was Snake's Revenge, but I actually I have like no idea what that game is. Please tell me that came out on like the CDI or some shit. Uh, I mean, I think it was another <laughs> NES game, but I, I actually oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know anything about it really. So hang on, but those, anyway. Oh well, I was gonna ask it. You said mm-hmm. you don't know anything about it. I was gonna say those MSX games. I didn't even know about those. What's the deal on those? Uh, well, so yeah, so Metal Gear was an MSX game. Uh, and it's great. It's a really good game. One oh, okay. thing that's very interesting about it uh, is how much Metal Gear Solid actually mirrors it. Like, I would go so far as to say that like Metal Gear Solid is almost just a remake of Metal Gear, but with the characters kind of changed. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is like, 
Because um, in the original Metal Gear, you're Solid Snake, your commander is Big Boss, and he's telling you to, like, go in and destroy Metal Gear, you know? But at some point, it turns out that he's the bad guy and stuff. Uh, and then in Metal Gear Solid, the story is that you're Solid Snake, there is a group of terrorists led by Liquid Snake that has Metal Gear, your commander is some other guy whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, Campbell, and but the terrorists' demands are that they want the remains of Big Boss. They're looking for his corpse, basically. And so, uh, and so you go in with a totally different setup, you know, except that you have to destroy Metal Gear, but all of the plot elements are the same. Like, you do all the same things in the game. You gotta, you, uh, like, you gotta find a gas mask to get through the gassy room. You have to shoot a remote-controlled missile and navigate it over an electrified floor to hit the panel that electrifies the floor so that you can get across. You have to get key cards of different levels. You fight a helicopter on a rooftop. Like... Can I ask, you, okay... I have never played. With... Oh, oh, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, yeah, well, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying, like all the different plot points of Metal Gear Solid are in Metal Gear for MSX. Also, you know, you oh, okay. fight a tank with grenades. Like uh, everything is in there. That's kind of funny, like how it goes from eight bit to PS one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it, like gameplay wise, it's like the same game, but uh, but yeah, just story wise though, it's you know, it's the next thing in the series. And then they kind of ran with that also with Metal Gear Solid two, where Metal Gear Solid two kind of has you go through a lot of the same plot points again, but they like do it in like a meta way that then the story like well, is about I... that, and it's it's good stuff. I've never played Metal Gear Solid except for like a two-minute demo on a demo disc, and it was so hard that I got frustrated and never played it again. Um, but I did play Splinter Cell on the original Xbox, and I loved that. How close is the is the Metal Gear Solid series in gameplay to Splinter Cell? You know, I I, I would bet that this is pretty common, that uh, I have never played Splinter Cell. I feel like Metal Gear Solid and Splinter Cell is like Halo and Half Life, where like they have super really? different fan bases. Uh, even probably, though, you know. <laughs> well, you, with, uh, with Metal Gear Solid, you have not only Konami but Hideo Kojima Studios behind it, so mm-hmm. you've got a whole lot of weird Japanese personality behind one IP versus the other. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid games toe the line a lot of being like very very cool and also very very silly and stupid yeah. uh like they 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 do both really really well where splinter cell is uh ubisoft taking tom clancy's uh, uh ip and going hey let's make a super serial game about it yeah and <clears throat> uh and then the, oh yeah and a bunch of others too uh, and then there's a, uh, well, what about like Siphon Filter? I don't know how stealthy that game is. Oh man, that, that was a, dude, the, this one. is like the, the, one of the king of the demo discs in my pile of demo discs was Siphon Filter because Siphon Filter, oh man, this was like my, you know, you know how like when you first played a Grand Theft, a 3D Grand Theft Auto game, and you realized what true freedom and chaos could be, mm-hmm. <laughs> and where the depths of human depravity can go. 
Um, I found that first with Siphon Filter before Grand Theft Auto came out. I played Siphon Filter on this demo disc and uh, said, okay, cool, stealth game, tactical shooter, ping, shot, boom, done. And then I pulled out the taser. I found... I, I found played the same <laughs> demo. Probably. I found the taser and found out that I can not only first person view with a reticle, aim this taser at a guy's nuts, launch the taser at him, shock the dude's nuts with enough voltage to I- I- render him in- entirely immobile, standing in place getting shocked, but I found out that this magic taser has the battery life of a thousand suns and i can fucking hold the button down while this man just gets shocked and shocked and shocked and shocked until his clothes start to catch fire (laughs) and Uh, yeah yeah. what does it gotta be to just like i mean electrocution is pretty much you know the brain shuts down immediately but like if you could feel yourself getting cooked from the nuts up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was my like like fucking 10 year old little brain going <gasps> i love video games oh uh, yeah <laughs> I, I, you know i bet we played the same demo did you have to fight kravich in it kravich. i i did not uh, get that far i was way too focused <laughs> ta- on the taser dudes, probably tasing the cbdc agents pretty much oh, man. but yeah um i think we had that demo too the music anyway, got intense too the music got kind of intense you just hear hear sorry god uh, (laughs) i I remember it looking really good for a ps1 game too like uh like i remember the your character like leaned into his turns and stuff like that and you know i I just thought it was i was impressed by the game when i was younger which at the time was pretty pretty good because like there weren't a lot in in uh if i recall correctly there weren't a lot of shooters uh, first or third person that gave you the option of ducking around corners to see. Um, I want to say one N64 game did. I don't think it was GoldenEye, but it was another FPS game where you could kind of duck, le- lean around a corner. But a lot of games didn't utilize that very much because in that time, the way hitboxes were with, with the way that you know graphics were, I, I don't think it made a whole lot of sense to waste your time doing that versus actually just being more offensive. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I when I got you know when I got past the tasering guys nuts until they until they started on fire because oh I was there too. <laughs> uh, you know I I did re- I do remember finding siphon filter like when you got serious about it you had a lot of options and you could play the game kind of your own way uh, which was cool and there were a lot of controls to do that. Um, there there okay so I I got at least one more game queued up to discuss. Ooh. Real quick, because uh, uh, yeah, we got this. Uh, it's getting green screened out. Oh yes, I wanted to bring here. this up actually. Uh, if yeah. you guys can't see this, it's Alien Trilogy for the PS1. Alien Trilogy. Funny thing is, I looked uh, I looked up some stuff about this game online, and everyone seems to say that it sucks. Like uh, all I hear about it is, oh, the draw distance is really bad, and you know the something something. Um, I don't well, know. I think this game is pretty sweet. So, yeah, um, I'm going to go ahead and give you the big agree there, buddy. Um, I was told by our friend Dying Camel that this game was terrible, and I think this was the last game he actually chilled with me on when I was streaming, was 
Alien Trilogy when I popped it in once. Um, I played it for a good solid hour, I want to say. And uh, it was like... It's funny you bring up draw distance because that has never, ever been a strong suit of the PS1 ever. Like, no, no games have been good with draw distance. PS1 is about rooms and detail in those rooms or, uh, or a different kind of game. Um, with, with, with this game, you're in rooms. So draw distance didn't really matter all that much, in my opinion. And right. uh, the action was slow enough to where if there was uh, uh, an alien that you could spot from across the room, you could usually dispatch it if you had the correct weapon and ammunition, etc. Um, yeah, so let's get a baseline yeah. down here. Let's go. So Alien Trilogy is a first-person shooter. Uh, it was on the Sega Saturn, it was on DOS, and it was on the PS1. And yeah, we've been playing the PS1 version. It's very Doom-like in that the environment very. that you're in is in is uh, is 3D, and you know, but the characters, the monsters that you fight, are 2D sprites. You know that. Uh, you know, the monsters being face huggers and xenomorphs. Um, and yeah, you get a pistol, you get a shotgun, but then you get some other of the alien universe weapons like uh, flamethrower, like in the first movie, or the pulse rifles from probably in the second movie, the smart guns. Uh, yeah, you you get those different weapons. And yeah, it's, it's very Doom-like where, you know, you go around and look for switches that activate doors and... Uh, Every every level also has like some kind of extra mission for you to do. If you read the blurb before the mission starts, it'll say something like, uh, we need you to collect all of the ID tags from the dudes, you know, from the infected Marines or whatever. Kind of like so Doom then 3. I, um, yeah, so then uh, like on that mission, you need to be on the lookout for those specifically. But some of them are, are a little bit more interesting. Like there's one early on where they just want you to like blow up all the barrels uh <laughs> kind of like doom <laughs> um there there's a mission where uh there are specifically enemies that are in like secret areas where you're supposed to find and like exterminate those ones uh are there a bunch of, of barrels mission. in those secret areas um maybe <laughs> maybe one of them it's a lot uh, like doom but so so yeah then you know so then when you when you beat the level a lot like doom it gives you the like here's the percentage of kills that you got here's the percentage of secrets you found and then there's another counter for the mission like how much of the mission did you do and uh if you don't do enough of the mission we uh my brother and I playing together found out uh, if you don't do enough of the mission, it just starts the mission over and you have to do it again. Uh, but I, that's you awful. Know, we're we're twenty four levels into the game and, uh, out of like thirty. It says on the back uh, the box, and um, and that's happened once. So like you know, it it it's not that big of a deal if you're paying a little bit of attention. Not a huge inconvenience, then. Good. Yeah. So yeah. So that's like your baseline. Is the game's very doom like, and yeah, the difference is that like. Uh, the draw distance, the, well, first of all, the game's pretty dark. The game is pretty damn dark. Very. Uh, which means that really, like, you don't even really notice the draw distance. Exactly. Because a lot, yeah, a lot of it is just that you're in a dark place, you know? And and so it's like you just can't see very far. Um, and yeah, I thought, I think that that's totally fine. Uh, other than that, like, you know, it's, it, I don't know, it's just a sweet game. Like, I, I, I don't have too much to say about it. Uh, I you know it's With, not as good as Doom. 
I did, <laughs> I haven't played it in any other iteration except for the PS1 port. So if you'll excuse me, I don't know what like the base game quote unquote is like. Maybe on PC it's really good. I don't know. Um, but on PS1, I was not. Maybe it's like. <laughs> It's one of those things where it's just like, okay, well, cool. You played the console port, or well, wait till you play the original like PC game or whatever. I don't think it's probably even one of those situations where it's like, oh, yeah, if you liked it here, it'll be great there. But like, I liked it such that I hate first-person shooters a hundred percent if I don't have a mouse or keyboard, and I felt the pacing of the port on PS One was good enough to where it didn't bother me using the PS One controller. Totally. Uh, yeah, one thing I'll say. So I did get curious about the DOS version, and I, I got hmm. DOSBox running on my PC, and I, I, got, I got the DOS version working, and I played that a little bit. Uh, firstly, it's one of those games where if you want to use mouse and keyboard, if you move your mouse vertically, it walks you forward and oh, backward. Just like doing yeah, so you have to like download that program that some guy in fucking Poland made 30 years ago that disables vertical mouse movement, you know? Uh Man. so you got to you got to download that and run it. So that's oh. a blast from the past. Uh <laughs> but and then and then also um the the DOS version I found runs very weirdly. Like uh like it slows down a lot. And, you know, you can increase your CPU cycles on DOSBox, but if you do too much, then the game runs too fast, you know? So, for the most part, it just seems to be a game that just kind of has performance issues. Um, indie devs, calling all indie devs. I am offering, uh, if you can hear me right now, I am offering a 10, 10, 1, 0, dot, 0, 0, dollar bounty if you can port Alien Trilogy to GZ Doom. Well, make yeah. it run well, nice. well let's just let's just get a source port of it give us chocolate alien trilogy i think it'll be great chocolate uh yeah like chocolate yeah you ever play instead chocolate of, doom instead of vanilla doom <laughs> yeah well it's just it's just a source port of doom that's like as vanilla as it gets so it's kind of wait i think i heard about this i think i think uh my friend bridge burner who uh phenomenal doom map maker by the way uh, i think he was talking about chocolate doom where it's just like original source port but with a few enhancements well, so I I may have told you about this too. Um, Maybe it was you. I can't remember. Yeah, Chocolate Doom is the source port of Doom that keeps it as vanilla as possible. I think it might open up something on the back end to get it so it can run wads more easily. Or is it just like a resolution kind of adjusting thing? There is no change. It's still thirty five FPS. It's oh, still Jesus. in its original resolution and all that. But then there's Crispy Doom. Crispy Doom is chocolate doom, but it has a but it has a short short list of enhancements that you can do, such as 60 FPS or a color-coded map or like enemy corpses randomly mirror for a little bit of variance, you know. It's got like tiny things like that you can enable and there's like 30 of them or something, you know. So it's a very short options menu and mostly you're playing vanilla doom. And the the only reason that I play it, the only option that I have turned on to change the base game is 60 FPS. Because that's just how I roll, right? I want the game in 60. Other than that, I want chunky pixels. I want original game. Dude, you know, I played GZ Doom once, and I said, never again can I go back. 
Why? I hated J- Jay-Z Doom. Oh, come on. It was like, I played <laughs> J- it for like a J- second. I'm sorry, you said Jay-Z Doom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, J- fucking Jay-Z. Um, no, I, dude, Jay-Z played... Doom is great. It's so smooth and beautiful and sharp. Crispy Doom is smooth and beautiful. It's I... And it's not sharp, and that's good. <laughs> <laughs> hang on. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Wait, wait, hang on. Let's explore that for a second. Why would you want not sharp? I, I just, I, I went, th- oh, this was a tangent I went on just our last episode, I think. Remember I was talking about how, like, when a wall texture is tiled down the line, mm-hmm. if you look at it in a low resolution, then none of those tiles look identical. So, so it looks like you're a hallway instead of a video game tile. So, hang on. That is a separate thing. That is where you're actually... That's where you're taking the textures and up-resing. So the original textures are an original size, and so it's multiplying them to stretch across to the new 3D object. What I'm talking about is upscaling to where you have textures that have been upscaled to 1080p, uh, or at least like up-resed like X amount of times in order for the resolution of the original textures to fit 1080p in a not letterboxed but you know like you know uh, fill uh, sense on a, on a 1080p monitor GZ Doom gives you that it doesn't make it so like like you can you can go to original Doom and see easily a couple textures that repeat like square block textures that are like oh yeah. man that's well fuck that's ugly because it doesn't look realistic because it just looks like a fucking wallpaper in windows 95 but gz doom makes those wallpapers in windows 95 run at 60 to 120 140 frames a second beautiful no jag okay well there are jaggies but they're sharp natural original textured jaggies like doom guy <laughs> like 240p up res to 1080p sharp as hell just like chunky squares for skin <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's beautiful but that's me. what i'm saying is you get that like okay when i'm playing it on the low resolution it's not blurry right my graphics card is properly upscaling mm-hmm. the image to my monitor, right, without stretching it and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, so it's still it's still nice, big, sharp pixels, and that's exactly what I'm looking for. But now it's on the environment, too, you know? When I'm looking at a 3D object, it's also made out of chunky pixels, and it looks. I love how it looks. I will anyway, say this. I think I will say this to you. It is a very Minecraft effect. It is a very Minecraft uh minecrafting of the the original doom game in that yeah. you were looking at very retro things in a very new sense exactly and, and i like it i like it for that honestly okay and i yeah and i don't like how that looks really <laughs> Um, and then also GZ Doom adds like fucking particle effects on your rockets and like does it? Uh, and uh, yeah, and it, yeah, and it puts like a fucking reticle in the screen. It lets you jump and duck. And no, shit like that. no, no, no! You turn Listen, that shit off. So, you turn that yeah, off. Exactly. So I went to turn it off, and this game has motherfucking like sixteen pages <laughs> of options of tiny text. And I and I just have an instant anxiety attack looking at these <laughs> menus, and I and I had to uninstall it and look for a different look for something that's more me. Yeah, no, <laughs> dude, it is like that. It it, it okay. So, though, 
you missed the one option that made it tolerable for you, which is UI scaling. Turn the UI scaling up to like 1.25 and then all the options that are there. It's it's overwhelming as fuck, I agree. But the UI scaling makes it look a little bit more manageable. And you need like to go through like two menus tops and then you're done. Turn the reticle off. Turn, and for me, this is important, which sucks because I have friends who make really nice maps. They're really good map makers, but they require uh, the ability to crouch sometimes and to jump. And I don't want to crouch. I don't want to fucking jump. I don't want to have a fucking Y-axis of looking at all when I'm playing Doom. Mm-hmm. I want vertical looking. And when I look in... When I look at something on the x-axis and it's in my y-axis, I want my gun to auto-aim up or down. It does not matter because that's how Doom is. That's how Doom is supposed to be. But I just want it to look good when I play Doom. I'm cutting you off right there because that's a perfect transition back into Alien Trilogy. Yeah, I'm done. Go ahead. Which is... which is a very Doom-like game how, uh, where you don't have to look up and down, except you kind of do. So mm. this game has up and down look, but in order to do it, you have to hold the L2 button and press <laughs> circle or triangle, which like which aims you up or down for like a brief moment, right? Again, like my br- the game has like thirty levels in it. It says, and my brother and I are on like level twenty four or something. And I I don't think that we've ever needed to look up or down. There's been a couple times where it's helped, but like, yeah, you don't really need to. But it is a big, weird, dumb pain in the ass to do it. Um, <laughs> I I, d- yeah. I do remember it being a pain in the ass when I played it. Uh, so so back to um, I, so I so I was playing the DOS version a little bit. And one thing that I will say is when you get it working with mouse and keyboard and it feels like Doom, uh, it is a bit too easy in that context, you know, because of your mouse and keyboard abilities. Right? There's no reticle so, in Aliens Trilogy, is there? Correct. There is no reticle. Okay, good. Um, so, yeah. So, it, it makes sense that the game feels like it's paced really well for a PlayStation controller because mm-hmm. when you do give yourself mouse and keyboard, then it's kind of too easy. Uh, so yeah, you know, unless you play it like OG Doom and not use a mouse where you just use control to shoot and shit. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You know, if you play it on PC, maybe play it on keyboard. But the thing is, I think that the PlayStation version has been a little bit better anyway, because, uh, because the, what was I saying? Uh, oh, cause it runs better. You know, it feels like it runs at 30 years. Well, uh, yeah, it it feels like it runs at a stable frame rate. I don't know if it's 30 or 60, um but is the dos it, version it, just very variable yeah like uh the, it, it has a lot of slowdown and if you try to speed up yeah. your you know your processing to count uh, to mitigate that then the game runs too fast you know uh, so like yeah. it's just it's very variable uh which is super annoying um the dos version is not dark though like the playstation version is so that's weird the dos version the the uh the the draw distance is a lot more noticeable because it's a lot brighter do you have a brightness uh, slider to adjust? Uh, not that I saw, but I'm not just gonna say no because I'm not mm. sure. Uh, but yeah, so so there's well, been you guys have gotten pretty like far in that, it. yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're like almost at the end. Uh, other things to note <laughs> about it are is that the music, the soundtrack, is fucking awesome. Like the soundtrack of this game is really good, and I really want to have it to listen to sometimes because it's super cool. I and I, I, yeah. I so when I played it, 
it was one of those soundtracks for me where I didn't notice it. And I think that is actually a compliment to pay to video game soundtracks because I enjoyed playing the game. So that means the soundtrack was probably pretty good for, for my taste anyway. Um, do you know who made or composed it? Was it like a universal game or you could probably find a vinyl of it or something. Yeah, that is a good question of like who did the soundtrack. I'm not sure. It's an Acclaim game. Ooh, and Acclaim. Fox Interactive. Fox Interactive um, had it at the time. Interesting. What what was yeah, the year? Yeah. Well, uh, do you mind if I Sorry, I'm like attacking uh, you with those questions. Uh, nine, uh 1996. 96. Is the, is the copyright on the box. Honestly, on the, on the case. 96 might have been one of the best years of <laughs> of anyone's life, probably. Just ten, just yep. put putting that out there. Uh, Ninety six was was a good year. It was um, a good year. So yeah, so so uh, like, like things to complain about with the game though, um, and this is also like a difference between the DOS and PS one version is on the PS one version when you pause to look at your map, you got to pause to look at your map, and the music stops, and it's really annoying. I don't know, it's a tiny thing, but it's annoying. The music's really good and moody, and you got to stop and look at your map in this game a lot. I remember every- that actually, but it felt yeah. like it was like an actual okay, so. It felt like kind of what uh, I would imagine Alien Isolation was going for because the game kind of builds a creepy vibe to begin with. And, and when I was going to my or my map, um, it kind of felt really personal. Like, you know how <laughs> you know how movies will like try to create like a personal moment by making you able to hear the characters breathing? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's what it felt like looking at my map to me. Sure. If there was like a breathing sound, you know, I could see something like that. But eh, instead, oh. you're just kind of jamming to the music and then the music stops. And I don't, know, I don't like that. However, the DOS version doesn't do it. Oh. The DOS version keeps the music going. Uh, however, <laughs> it's a hardware so- limitation. <laughs> You're right. So it is. Is um, it really? So, I was kidding. <laughs> I mean, I it's it seems like well, maybe it's not. It seems like it is. Uh but but something else that the DOS version does though is it has voice samples of Ripley who you play as. Oh, perfect. Uh, <laughs> and, and I oh god, it gets super annoying. Like <laughs> you shoot you shoot the aliens and she goes like, "Take that." Oh, you know? good. Like good. so often. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and it like ruins the immersion you know so like the ps1 has this thing where i don't like that that you know the music stops but at least you don't have all these voice samples that the dos version has is Every there a number fucking... is there a number on the bottom of the back of the booklet that we can call to talk to a claim to see how much money they paid sigourney weaver to go take that every five <laughs> seconds <laughs> oh man also whenever you shoot the uh whenever you shoot the flamethrower she says burn baby burn yes oh, God. yes duke nukem voice clips from sigourney uh, weaver <laughs> yeah basically um so you know it's so so both versions have their pros and cons i feel like the playstation version is the way to go There's so hang on the, Sega- the, the playstation version doesn't have the sigourney weaver voice clips does it Exactly. Oh, that's not. a bummer. That's a bummer. But what it gets, a, oh, yeah, you'd laugh the first time you heard it, and then you're sick of it. You're <laughs> correct. You're absolutely correct. What about the Saturn version? What's different there? I don't know. I have not played the Saturn version. Uh, every yeah. game, every game I've ever heard of that has a Saturn version, 
if, if it's a 3D game, I hear it's usually much worse on Saturn. Okay. The composer is Steven Root, is what I'm hearing about uh, Alien Trilogy. So look him up, uh, and uh, yeah, check out the Alien Trilogy soundtrack, if nothing else, because it's great. And there you go. That's, uh, you know, I'm, I've been playing other stuff too. I, I've, I've been keeping pretty busy with, uh, with, with games lately, but, uh, that's been the most of it, right? We had Valheim and Hollow Knight, uh, Permadeath, beat Castlevania Chronicles, started Castlevania Bloodlines, still playing Nocturne, played some Alien Trilogy. And that's been me for the last couple weeks. Yeah, man. Uh, you've been going hard on the, on the skill based games where, I have just been doing, I guess you could say the same when it comes to fighting games. Um, I've been yeah. playing a lot of Guilty Gear Strive. Um, been playing that a lot, uh, getting good with Potemkin, learning how Potemkin works. And then uh, recently, the new DLC characters have dropped for Street Fighter V. And those are Akira which is a guest character from another Capcom series called Rival Schools. You may have not heard of it. Um, I certainly didn't because I'm not a huge Capcom person, um, at least like not through that time period. But Rival Schools is this interesting PS1 3D fighting game that involved a lot of silly like arcade kind of attacks where you would attack people and like the attacks would just become comedically airborne <laughs> so you'd be up in the air fighting each other and a bunch of shit would happen so that um, sounds good so akira has this uh a lot of her combos just knock you up in the air and and for, for some fighting games that's a significant uh advantage to have against someone is having them up in the air because that means you can do more shit to them before they hit to the ground um but for street fighter 5 it's beautifully inconsequential in that uh, she knocks you up in the air, and it's still Street Fighter V. You're not doing all these aerial attacks. It's not Guilty Gear. It's not It's not Marvel versus Capcom, where you have a million different attack options at any given moment. It's not Smash Brothers, where you can flip, and then all of a sudden, now you can reset your attacks because you haven't hit uh, hit, hit ground yet or something like that. I, I'm, I'm talking out my ass there, but I know you can do a lot of shit in the air in Smash Bros. But anyway... Beautifully executed. Oro is brought back. He's one of the most original characters in Street Fighter. Um, he's in Street Fighter Three or uh, Third Strike First. Well, I think he's in like at least two of the three versions of Street Fighter Three. But yeah, they brought him back. He's he's pretty much just like he used to be. Um, very dangerous if you know how to use him. Fun to fight against. I've been doing that. Just been playing a lot of Solar Range because I personally am a grappler character. So I play Potemkin and I play Zangief. Or Zangief in Street Fighter. Um, aside from my fighting game escapades, I have been playing a couple different things. JRPG-wise, I started a game I have been requested to play for a long time, which is the Legend of Dragoon okay, on yeah, PS1. Yeah. And um, let me say, man, that game is addicting for the same reason I thought it would be when I first saw my close friend play it when I was a kid around 2001 or so. He played it. He owned it. I didn't own it, so I never played it. He, he, <clears throat> he's the reason who helped me through uh, Final Fantasy VII, and I beat that. But 
when I was going through Final Fantasy VII, he was going through this. Legend this, of Dragoon. Legend of Dragoon. And he was going through this game, and I watched him play it once. He's like, yeah, dude, watch this combat. And I, he goes, he starts this attack, and he goes, one, two, three. And I was like, oh, my God, dude, this is a rhythm game. This is cool. I like this. And it felt like a JRPG, which was a rhythm game. And, man, I don't know why, but I didn't remember any of that from when I was a kid. When I started it up, I heard the words Dragoon, and I'm thinking, okay, Panzer Dragoon. It's going to have some dragon knights in it or some shit. There's going to be there's going to be airborne fucking lancing, like jousting or some shit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh it's not. And um you start this you start this game off, there's a neat little JRPG kind of storyline, typical. And um the combat starts and you go, "Oh shit." This is cool because, like, all the combat is almost, like, QTE-focused. Like, you have your typical attacks that begin into these nice, cool QTEs. Hi, Mia. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Whoever's here for the video podcast, I love this cat who jumps on his lap every time. Mia's adorable. But, um, yeah, it's like you get your items, you get your magic or whatever, if a character has it or whatnot. But, like, largely, it's based around, hey, do this attack if you land this QTE, you get a bonus attack. If you land that QTE, you get this special attack. And it's like, oh shit. It forces you to pay attention to what is typically not a very high attention grabbing area of screen in, in a video game. Um, and for me, this is huge because I, in, in, in RPG games, um, well, let's just say I've, uh, I've discovered recently about how... Uh, the the depths of my brain I have discovered uh, work a lot more uh, in, in in an ADHD fashion than I thought they did, and so my ADD diagnosis is sounding a lot more like ADHD as an adult than I thought they would. So anything like old school RPGs or PC RPGs where like there's just no visual action whatsoever and you're just looking at frame by frame art. Um, I struggle with that, despite aesthetically finding it amazing. And this game holds my attention like crazy, because it's like, well, I could do square, I could do triangle, I could do circle, I can do left, right, down, I could do yada, yada, yada. And um, that's not how the game actually works, I'm just remembering how QTEs work in general, but... It keeps your focus like a QTE does. Like, I'm thinking like Shenmue, you know. It keeps you laser-focused into a small piece of high-action, low-content-dense action, <laughs> for lack of better words, I guess. So, like, I'm into a JRPG in a way that I'm not usually into a JRPG. It's pretty fun. Um, I'm looking forward to where that story develops, because I'm... I'm being held captive by it so far. Have you played it? No. Um, somebody asks me if I've played Legend of Dragoon like twice a day. So <laughs> I, I think I should play it uh, at some point. But, it's, uh, but yeah. yeah, it's good. I recommend it. Cool. Yeah, good to hear. Um, I, I did see one of my roommates playing it one day. And uh, the only thing that I, that I like, noticed... Was that it's like okay, so it's a so it's a JRPG, 
you're you're in a turn-based battle and it, it looked like whenever you took your turn you'd hit a guy right you'd take your turn and then it seemed like everyone just stood there for like a full second before the next person started their turn and yes. that was driving me nuts i was like why does these battles take so long well hang on let me alleviate you heavily right now because i wanted to confirm for you specifically playing through that that it is indeed true turn-based. You can just sit there for as long as you want. Even though nice. it's a high-action-based kind of QTE game when you attack, you can take a 30-minute break to decide what kind of attack you want to do if you really want to. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Nice. Good to hear. Yeah, um, and on that note, right, like I've still been playing Nocturne, which is also turn-based. Uh, how much? Okay, I know when I brought up Nocturne before. Wait, are you how? Where Legend of Dragoon? Did you have more? To, am I cutting you off on that? No, because I really only got to play about like a couple hours of it. Okay. So you go ahead. So when I was talking about Nocturne, I feel like we we kind of went off into like I need to talk about the entire Shin Megami Tensei series up to this point. And I don't you're, know how much you're I'm my funnel about. for Shin Megami Tensei. So yeah, go on with this. Well, I, I I don't know how much I talked about Nocturne specifically versus talking about the whole series up to this point. You know, we talked about Law Demons versus Chaos Demons and like the story and all that. You know, um, but uh, but yeah. So the big thing with Nocturne is that it's like, okay, so you are a dude, and when you get into a battle, it's you and three demons that you have uh, recruited onto your team by, like, negotiating with them, right? So when you get into a battle with a demon, you can talk to them, you can get them on your team. I know I already talked about that. You can also go into, like, the cathedral, and you can fuse demons together to make other demons, right? I talked about all that. Uh, when you go into when you go into battle, it's you and three uh, demons of your selection out of your stock of like ten, right? And um, the really neat thing about the battle system is that it's not just that uh, some games do turn based, where it's like it's one character's turn at a time based on their agility. Some games do it where it's like you pick all of your different characters' abilities, and then the whole turn phase plays out, you know? What this game does is it goes in phases. Enemy phase, your phase. Enemy phase, your phase. And each time that it's your phase, you get as many turn icons as you have people in your party. So it's you and three demons normally. So normally it comes to your turn, and you have four turns to take. Uh, which sounds super obvious. Why are you explaining it this way? Yeah, there's four people in your party. You get four turns. Here's the deal, though, is that you get four turns that are in the order of your character's agilities, but if you get a critical hit or if you use an element that exploits the enemy's weakness, that only takes a half a turn. So then it goes to the next guy, and you hit a dude, goes to the next, goes to the next guy, and then... It wraps back around to the first guy again for uh, for if you got more turns, you know what I mean? If you exploit a weakness or get a critical hit on all four of your turns, then it wraps around and you go through all four of your characters again and get more turns. So it's like a chain attack almost. Yeah. It's pretty However, sick. if somebody misses 
or if the enemy is res like if the enemy nullifies an element that you hit them with or something like that happens then that turn takes two turns ah. so then so at that point then someone in your party might not even get to go that yeah. phase because someone before them fucked up oh, right that, that makes it interesting yeah and now to make it even more interesting all of these rules apply to the enemy as well when it's the enemy's turn, they get this many turns, but if they hit you with your weakness, if they get critical hits, they get more attacks. If you planned ahead and you make yourself like resistant to their elements, then they're probably going to fuck up and take up more of their turns more often uh, and get back to you more often. Um, and these, these, this is like super important because, so I've been playing the game on hard mode and hard mode is like pretty fucked where... Uh, like every single time that it goes to the enemy's turn, you have to kind of like clench up, you know, and be like, oh God, is someone going to die? Like every single time, you know, but generally though, a lot of the game is to like construct a party of guys that are not weak to the types of enemies that you're around. Right. I'm in this dungeon. Hey, we fight these different types of demons in this dungeon and they tend to use a lot of electric attacks. So I got to not have any guys in my party that are weak to electric, you know, and if somebody nullifies electric even better, you know, that kind of thing. So man, it's really, really cool the way that like, this game's like the the f gameplay flow of this game is so good where it's like you get to a new dungeon and you just get your ass kicked, you know? Yeah. But but you see that it's like okay, what is it that's kicking my ass? It's that this enemy does this attack which is force based and two of my guys are weak to force. So you got to like rethink your party and go back to the cathedral and maybe like fuse the guys, maybe get a guy that's resistant to force or something like that. Maybe get guys that have more buffing spells or that kind of thing um, and everything like that. And, th and then you go back in and now not only is your party better suited to the area because of their like affinities, but also you probably just have better dudes now. So it's like now you feel awesome because your party is way stronger, you know, because you the game like made you go make your dudes better. You know what I mean? It and, seems like uh, a complex way to get your ass beat. Yeah, I, I really, really like it because, uh, you know, it, it, it makes it. It's just very cool to me where, where this game does exactly that flow that I really like where you you have to get just far enough into the dungeon where you've made some progress, you've checked some rooms and opened some chests, but now it's like we got to get out of here because, you know, I'm I we're 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 using up too much MP, you know. So we oh, got to get yeah. back. So we got to get back to the healer and we save. We lock in all the progress, you know. And then when we go back in, now we can run straight to where we left off, you know, and get a little bit deeper into the dungeon. Uh, so it's got exactly that flow to it that I really like on top of this idea of like always changing and upgrading your party uh, with different guys with different abilities and stuff. And yeah, it's just it is a hell of a game, man. Hell of a game. And I know I talked about, like, the whole Shin Megami Tensei series at one point and how this is, like, the fifth game in the series or the third game that has the name Shin Megami Tensei. But if you've never played the series before, 
um you don't have to start with the old ones like i did i mean if you're, really? if you're more interested in just starting with a modern one or one that you don't have to get a fan translation for i mean you can just play nocturne well, right? you're going and, the route that i'd want to go because i want to kind of start with the earlier games yeah like i i like to do that but nocturne is on like they just made a, a hd version of it on switch and on pc uh, so, like, if you just wanted to real conveniently just get the game on Steam and play it, you're not gonna like, you know, it's it's fine, right? Uh, <laughs> to do that, that's all. I'm not gonna miss um, a whole lot of references or anything. Yeah, I don't think so, especially because sometimes they make re- they do make references to things that used to happen, but they the the localization is different than the fan translation did it you know so so you might even be more confused then uh but yeah so yeah it's oh my gosh it's it's such a good game i'm i'm i am absolutely loving it uh there's been a couple bosses that have taken me like hours to beat you know because i get up to them and like they just kick my ass you know so it's like okay i gotta rethink my whole strategy and i go in and i die again and then all right maybe if i do this and then i die again and then i'm like okay 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 i need better demons right so then we go do some fusion i end up with some mega badasses that i didn't know i could have at this point but the game forced me to investigate it you know so now i've got this way more powerful team go in barely get my ass kicked so i'm like okay that's that's progress you know now now we got to figure out the strategy with the new party to make it through and i figure out little things like okay for example there's this one boss that uh so there's these buffing spells in the game where you can buff your agility and you can stack it up to four times if you cast it four times it'll damn be, it'll be useful four times and then it doesn't have any effect anymore now this guy had this ability that would that would increase his agility all four times in a single move because he's a boss right (laughs) so he's just like boom i've maxed out the buff and i'm like fuck problem is if you do like a there's like a dispel move right that that takes away the enemy's buffs if you do that then he just rebuffs and you're like shit okay that's kind of a waste so what i found out though is that there is a regular debuff move you can do that has the normal like four stacks so if you debuff him four times after he buffs, then just like the dispel, he rebuffs, right? Shit. But if you dispel him, or if you debuff him three times, three times. <laughs> then he won't rebuff anymore. So it's like he's still buffed, you know? He's still a little buffed, but now it's only one stack instead of four. Ah. And so it's like you have to start to like like manipulate the AI in ways like this where like you think about the way that the boss thinks and <laughs> picks its moves, you know? Sometimes I debuff bosses just so that they have to use a turn rebuffing themselves <laughs> yeah. and that kind of thing, you know? Like so you're you're the, you're the guy that the boss goes come on man right well he's doing it to me he's yeah, doing it first <laughs> so yeah it's it's well, so good it's kind like, of funny that you say that cuz i have a friend who uh who his entire strategy growing his own like method of playing fighting games was I, I thought you said growing his own meth for a second then go on well <laughs> And also growing his own method for for playing fighting games, but uh, 
he learned that like manipulating the AI by doing what you said, like maybe like debuffing, et cetera, but like just like watching their behavior. This guy developed his entire style by turtling, essentially, by going, hey, when you play fighting games, and a lot of them, the CPUs kind of suck. Like, they're good to fight against, but, like, when you kind of just, like, act a little fucking weird, they don't know what the fuck to do. So, like, if you just kind of sit still for a second, they'll just go, they'll come, they'll come at you, but, like, they'll fake out, and they'll stand there for a second, and, like, they'll throw a punch, and if you don't react, they'll just be like, oh, okay. All right. Well, all right. Well, I, I mean, you heard the bell, right? Like it's gonna, we're, we're gonna fight. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Uh huh. And they they come up to you, and they'll kick you, but like if you block it and then don't move, don't input, they're just like, what the fuck is this guy doing? What's going on? I don't know what's going yeah. on right now. Like they're, they're very reactive. And so exactly. Don't give them anything to react to. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So he developed his own fighting style of just like let them come to you defend and then as soon as like you know you get the plus frames from you defending like blocking their attack then just lay into them so like he would just like go from high action from reaction to nothing again and then just like fucking with the ai that way (laughs) and it's just like that translates to fighting against people in a very distinct way depending yeah, on the character you pick. You, yeah, like, how, how does a human deal with that strategy? Not well, if you're me. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'll... <laughs> I have a, a, a... Like, okay, so my, my prime example of my, my friend who does this, uh, my friend Chibi, he plays a character called Abigail, who Abigail is a Final Fight character in the Capcom universe, and Abigail is this... Man, okay, so... My character is Zangief. Zangief, the Russian wrestler, tall mountain of muscle dude. He's a grappler character, traditionally. This is where grapplers come from, is this guy. Uh, He's not good at combos. He's not fast. But if you're close and he gets his hands on you, he's going to do a lot of fucking damage to you. That's how grapplers work. So this guy is another grappler. And for the longest time in Street Fighter history, Zangief, my character, was the biggest, the biggest character um, in in Street Fighter character history until Andre came along. But different character. Anyway, uh, Hugo, anyway. Uh, Abigail comes out, and then he's the biggest character. So my character, who is traditionally the biggest character, is now trying to do what's called footsies in fighting games, which means, like, let me see if I can get my low punch to go at you, and if it's not long enough to reach you, well, then hopefully when you attack me, I can't get you. So, excuse me, Abigail's normals... This huge fucking guy's normals are uh, longer than my pokes. And my pokes meaning it kind of what it sounds like. It's like I can get you like poke, quick attack, and then like, you know, a reaction uh, from, a, from, a, from a very f- small frame perspective, but very large hitbox perspective, hopefully. Um, all my pokes, shorter than Abigail's reach. So this guy's turtling is ruining me as a character who needs to be close to you. <laughs> so you just can't... He just, I cannot get in from this guy's fighting style, which has totally been der- derived from single-player fucking with AI. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway, that's a, that's a tangent that just... You reminded me of that anyway. Sorry. Oh, G- sure, sure. 
All right. I have another well, game if you want to talk about that. Uh, you wait. You say that again. I have another game if you if you want to talk about it. It won't be long. Oh yeah, yeah. Go for it. And I think you'll be interested in this for one reason. It's a sports game. It's not a. It's not a. It's not like a, a ball game, you know, like a sports game. It's a racing game. And uh, the reason I picked it up, not only because of the price tag, which I don't know if the, our, our our video viewers can see this, but I'm pointing it right now, is eight ninety nine on this Super Nintendo cartridge, which is a game called GP One. And the whole reason I picked this up was because, well, MotoGP, motorcycle racing. Well, of course I'm going to be interested in it, of course, right away, but mostly because. Again, for our video viewers, and you won't be able to see this if you're audio, but there is, aside from the Super Nintendo branding, a lot of Atlas logos on this. There's a big Atlas logo right here, and on the motorcycle that is in the art of the game itself, the motorcycle Uh itself is branded with the Atlas logo. So, I don't know if you know anything about racing, but sponsorships on motorcycles is a thing. You're going to have the biggest name is that that's going to be who you're representing, you're representing, representing yada yada. This is an Atlas bike in an Atlas racing game. So, I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, that's weird. That's not how motorcycle races go. I'm going to buy this. I pick it up, and I tell you what, man. You think this is a racing game when you play it? <clears throat> It's got Mario Kart, well, I should say Super Mario Kart graphics in that yeah, you yeah. have a sprite atop a uh, 90 degrees rotated 2D plane to mm-hmm. represent a track. And so when you look at that, when you look at these Road Rash-esque graphics, you're kind of thinking, okay, well, my motorcycle is here and uh, I'm going to turn on this track when there's a turn, right? So I'm going to turn right. When there's a right turn. All right, cool. You did that. Except, hey, now you're careening off to the side because this is an arcade racer from the SNES era, and it's, 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 yeah. Anyway, I'm here to tell you this is not a racing game. GP1 by Atlas is not a racing game. This is DDR in a motorcycle okay. racing game format. So a lot of racing games, in especially in this time, in order to denote a turn, it will give you a sign, like an actual road sign with an arrow, like, hey, U-turn for super hard turn or easy turn, easy left, easy right, hard right, right, hard left, etc. Um, rally racing games like uh, Need for Speed V Rally on PS1 did that. It would actually have the announcer in your, your passenger seat going hard left, hard right. Anyway. Okay, yep. Remind me of that in a minute. and Sure, yeah. Something about that. I say this is a DDR game because you can't look at your fucking bike when you're fucking... You can't look at the 3D, quote-unquote, fucking Super Nintendo Mega Graphics racing game. You can't look at the fucking graphics. You can see... You can see your input. You can hit the D-pad left or right, and if I hold left and if I hold right, he'll lean, and then he'll go all the way over to do a hard turn, yada, yada. It looks like you're doing hard turn inputs, and you are. You are. That's how the sprite actually changes. But you're not going to win the fucking race. You're going to get the same... You're going to get the same hilarious graphic ending at the end of every race that I got, which was 
for some reason, uh, a two-stroke motorcycle with its gas tank removed and its seat removed, and then two scantily clad, very not scalable to the machine in the background picture babes with umbrellas and bikinis holding up a chalkboard that says, and then it goes, hopeless, with an exclamation point at the end. Hopeless to hopeless. show your position in the race. <laughs> if, you, if you follow the, the road, Mario, Super Mario Kart style, you're going to be hopeless every time. But if you just look at the arrows at the top of the screen and then just put that much input into your D-pad the second you see those turns, if you look secondhand at your little sprite at the bottom, you'll notice him just going perfectly, passing every single other fucking racer, just right past him. Unless, of course, you're in a collision course with someone and that could be a problem. But, like, for the most part... If you follow the arrows and put them in your D-pad, you're going to get m- literally like a mile ahead of everybody else in the race. It's like a this... cheating mode. It's weird. <laughs> so so this is like a HUD element that you're looking at? Yes, exactly. This brings me to like, I don't know what to call this phenomenon, but it's something that I've noticed that is a thing that I don't like in games, which is where games give you too much valuable information on the HUD Mm. to where you don't look at the game anymore. Yeah. You know? Like, there's a lot of games where, where like, the radar, for example, is way too informative. Yes. And so you end up just, you're just staring at the radar the entire time you play the game. Screw the graphics and the actual environment that you're in in the atmosphere. All you need is in this two-inch square in the corner, you know? <laughs> and I, it's a real shame when games do that, but it's, you know, and I, I don't know what to call it, but I notice it it's, sometimes. Like, it's like screen surfing without the cheating. Like, uh, you know, I think one of the first times I noticed it was when I went back when Assassin's Creed was new. And the fact that that game had um, like that game had all that climbing and jumping in it. But it was all so easy that all you had to do was hold forward and run and your character would automatically do everything. And so it would create this thing where you just aim your character at the at the icon of where you're supposed to go. And you just hold forward and run, and all you're doing is just staring at the at the at the 500 meters away thing. You're just staring at that number counting down. I don't know what's happening or where I'm going or anything, but I, I'm getting closer to the target, and I'm just watching that number go down, and that's all I'm paying attention to. You know, Halo a, Combat Evolved. What about it? You'd get the waypoint marker. It's where it would start on your map. You'd get a little uh, orange diamond on your top map, your like, like your like left to right waypoint marker, and then yeah. you'd have your warthog and you drive to it. It was instant, kind of like how Skyrim would have like the little doorknob. Yup, the right the the Bethesda games put a little marker that tell you exactly where to go. I know a lot of people had a complaint about that when they switched from well when they went from Oblivion to that because it was like. I know Oblivion had a little diamond it would put on your map, but like Skyrim put the like you could look at your world map and see where that point was and then just point to it on your like quote unquote yeah. mini map, but it's like a left right slider. Yeah, and that that gets into maybe a different issue of just telling you too precisely where to go 
as opposed yes. to something like more what I'm talking about even more is just when HUD elements are you look at them more than you look at the actual environment that you're in. A couple more examples would be like Batman Arkham Asylum. Did you ever play that? I wanted to. I played the VR game, which ruled, but I heard Arkham Asylum was great. So Arkham Asylum has this detective vision that you can enter where you get more information about stuff. But the problem is that there's no disadvantage to being in detective mode except that the the color grading changes. So it just makes the environment that you're in look like shit. Does it right? go like sepia tone or something? Something like that. I don't <laughs> remember exactly what it is, but it's something like that. But there's no actual disadvantage to using it except that. So it feels like the so it feel like you got to turn it off just so you can enjoy the environment sometimes, but Every moment that you're doing that, you're missing out on information that might be relevant to you. Uh. So, like, yeah, so, like, that's an issue. And then the opposite, this is part of the reason that I really liked Death Stranding, was that Death Stranding felt like a game where they actually wanted me to look where I was fucking going, you know? Like, as opposed to something like Assassin's Creed, right? Where it's like Death Stranding was a game where I had to, like, look at my character and the angle of what they were stepping on. I had to watch out for rocks. I had to really, like, navigate and walk with this character. But it wasn't just holding forward and waiting for a number to go down. That's my distance to my target. It's like I need to look at the fucking environment and walk around it and i liked that a lot that carries over to the terrestrial vehicle as well right because like the one of the things i think i noticed about death stranding was the cool like six by six vehicle like the Moonlander vehicle that you get i think at some point uh, vague memories maybe i'm remembering it wrong but there is some cool 3d platforming i use that term kind of lightly because i think of the the game uh um um Shit, uh, fucking god damn it. Uh, Mud Runners, which is the remake of Spin Tires. So I noticed that when I watched some footage of Death Stranding, you use that cool vehicle and you're navigating like mountainous terrain. And I'm just going, yeah. oh shit, it's like you're driving a Moonlander on the land. That part looks super fun to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Death Stranding was a really cool game. I, I just, you know, and I, I could have a lot to say about it, but I, I just wanted to bring it up, or I just wanted to bring it up as part of the conversation as a, as a good example of a game that is really modern and has a lot of the same kinds of things that modern games have of, mm -hmm. like, just walk to this area, but it doesn't fall into those traps. Of it doesn't like, fall into the HUD making you it, know too much, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Good. Um, yeah, yeah. That's you know, and, anyway, and, and, okay, why did I bring I would, that up? Because well, you were talking about DDR racing. Yes, <laughs> fucking DDR Atlas race. Listen, I, I bought this, and I hate that. <laughs> this is one of those things that, like, I was talking about before. That um, I hate that when I see a game now. My first instinct is: should I buy it? Because will its value be worth more later? And because it's just so fucking covered in Atlas logos and it's a Super Nintendo game, I said, all right, nine bucks, what the fuck ever? Not a problem. And to be honest, actually, the action of the racing itself, the frame rate's pretty good. It's 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 like, you know, if, as long as you don't mind the Super Mario Kart-esque 2D plane with a sprite riding on it, like graphics, 
it's pretty smooth for a Super Nintendo racing game. I recommend it. Just know that if you follow the arrows, you're going to do pretty damn well. Yeah, and the goofy the goofy rotating plane thing does look a lot better than games that just are a top-down view in my Oh opinion. my god, like, so much better. Like the RC racing games, they're terrible. Yeah. They're terrible. I, I, one of the games that came with my PC engine was an F1 game. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's just a top-down bird's eye view and you can just barely see what's in front of you. Do you remember that uh, game that I told you about? One of the one of my childhood games, one of the first few video games I ever had was from a Game Boy system that I got when I was a very wee lad. Um, it was called Race Days, but it was a combo cartridge of two different games for Game Boy. One was called uh, Dirty Racing. I think it was like G- Dirty Racing, which was like an F1 RC racing game, which is what you're talking about, top down. And God, dude, the turns were impossible on that shitty Game Boy D-pad. Because like you had to gauge with a D-pad uh, a, a, a viewpoint which had zero x-axis. You're looking top-down only, and you had to go, okay, how long do I hold left before I careen to the corner and lose the race every time? And, you know, it's right, a, right. that and was awful. Like how, how fast are the turns coming up? You know, you can only see 10 feet in front of your Yes, car. there's no draw distance because the maps are tiny, so you didn't have to worry about that, but you had to worry about, oh, God, I have to turn. Oh, God, I have to turn. Oh, God, I have to turn. Oh, are you talking about one where like you you see your enti- entire track at once? Or no, about- okay, no, okay, no, no, no. Okay. It, it so scales around the, the track. It's just that the track is just small because it's a Game Boy oh, game. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and and conversely, Jeep Jamboree, which is the other game uh, on 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 race days, is a uh, a first person. <laughs> beautiful first person uh jeep yj in the cockpit racing off-road uh thing where you kind of just drive where you hope there's track (laughs) yeah you kind of make what you can of the first first person uh, graphics of the game boy through a jeep windshield (laughs) behind the steering wheel yeah that's fun though for a whole separate reason but honestly that was the reason to buy that cart and i'm kind of mad i still can't find a copy of that yet <laughs> man i <sighs> okay is there room for one more game or do you want to save that for the next one uh, i'm starting to think we should save it we can i haven't played it yet it was just a question about whether or not you've played it oh okay well i'm curious let's hear it well what's what's gonna be next week okay yeah this is probably a good bet for next week because the next week is, should be the end of august um, this is a challenge issued by our friend Camel to play Tomb Raider, uh, the Angel of Darkness on PS2. And oh, as, yeah, yeah. And as far as I know, the challenge is how far can you get into it before you give the fuck up? And, uh, yeah, I, I've actually never played any Tomb Raider. I had a neither demo have I. Tomb- okay, yeah, cool. This will be interesting. I had a demo of Tomb Raider 2 when I was a kid, and I played that, but that's it. And, uh, I've heard, yeah, I've, so yeah, if, if you're hearing this, um, we've heard that angel of darkness is like the worst tomb Raider game. Oh, is it? Oh yeah. It's supposed to be horrible. Oh no. Um, and yeah, that, so that's why, uh, 
I think that's why Camel wants us to play that one. <laughs> he, he said, issuing this challenge, play as far as you can. And I was like, yeah, what the fuck ever. I'm not going to play Tomb Raider. Never have, never will, probably. Unfortunately, because I kind of want to. But never have, probably never will. And then he goes, look at this, the Tomb Raider, Dark- Angel of Darkness. And I go, oh, wait a minute. Oh, God. Wait a minute. This sounds familiar because I went to a Goodwill once or twice in my life. And, of course, I pull it right off the shelf. And for our video listeners here... Here it is right here. I go, okay, what's the stupid challenge? <laughs> so I guess we'll figure out how bad it is within the next week or so. Yeah, I thought it was October that we were supposed to play it, but I guess I'll double check that. Oh, I thought it was this month. I, see, here, I, here's the problem. The, the One of the reasons that we haven't had an episode recently is because I had to work like 60 hours last week, so it didn't work out. And that was the week that I was going to practice this challenge run of this game that he had challenged us to. So, Oh, there, yeah, there's no practicing either. It's like a... Oh, it's just stream, stream and go? Yep. And how, how far can you get before you want to pull your eyes out and shove them up your ass? Well, I'm not going to get very far then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure out that how that goes. I have the main developer on the on the cover art uh listed as IDOS and I don't remember the last time I enjoyed an IDOS title. Yeah, yeah. Or actually hang well, on, it's core are design. Are they still involved in those Hitman games cuz those new Hitman games look pretty cool? IDOS probably just published this core design is the developer I'm seeing right next to it. Oh, and no, core design sounds from dynamics. Like, well hang on. Hang on. Are you gonna are you gonna talk dirty on them? Because I I've heard that Crystal Dynamics makes some pretty good games. Well, I, I you know I don't know. I'm just saying. It. I think I think they used to make Tomb Raider, right? I don't Did know. They? Though, the the Crystal Dynamics game that I had growing up was Gex Enter the Gecko, which upon, upon revisiting recently was uh, <gasps> Did not you? very enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're kidding. I bu- oh boy, dude! Oh my god! Okay. Uh, that's gonna be the game. Can we talk about that next time? Let's talk about Gex next week. I want maybe you to I'll, maybe I'll take some time and refresh myself. Yes, I was gonna say I don't actually own that, but I played the demo of that when I was a kid, and I'm not gonna talk about how I feel about it until next week. But I want to know your impressions of it. We'll talk about it then. All right. Well, cool. That's uh, that's episode 21 for you. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. 21 I got, down. I got, a, I got a lot off my off my plate there. I've, you know, had a lot of shit to talk about. So sorry if it was mostly me this week. No, no, that's cool cuz I did too and I think I actually got the majority of mine off. The, I feel like I need a separate podcast if I want to talk about fighting games. Man, I want you to be <laughs> into fighting games so bad cuz you'd be so good at them. You'd be you'd murder everybody. I know you would. Uh, I just don't like player versus player stuff. You know, I like to win versus the computer on like a designed challenge. You know, I don't want to make someone else lose. Okay, okay, well. okay, okay. So hang on, just for a second here. What do you feel when you make another person lose? I I don't know. Do I'm you feel bad? Like, Does eh, it feel bad? A little bit, yeah. Because I'm like, yeah, I won, but it was at the expense of another person. No, it wasn't though. No, yeah, it wasn't. I know, I know, because if I lost, I wouldn't feel like it was my expense. I would feel like I learned something, and, you know, it was still fun anyway, and yada yada. I know. And when that other person goes, dude, when I did that, I thought I had that down pat, and when you did that, it threw me off my shit entirely. GG. That's a good fucking mm-hmm. feeling, man. 
Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But no, nah, really though, I'm just I'm I'm just not super into PVP stuff. I and I get you. I get you. I I'm I'm the opposite and I'm glad we have this balance. Mhm. I do like Smash Bros though. God Smash damn, Bros I fucking fun. hate Smash Bros. This is why we're opposites. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about uh <laughs> we'll talk about a couple things next week. Hopefully Tomb Raider at least. Um thanks for listening, dudes. We appreciate y'all tuning in. Yeah, see you next time. Peace out. Okay.